0: Lasso, maybe the first thing that comes to mind when you hear about Apple TV Plus, but there's a film called Coda on the service right now that might be worth your time. I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. Here to drill down on what makes Coda so special is our senior media reporter, Joan Salzman. Welcome Joan.
1: Hi Roger, great to be here.
0: So tell me about Coda. What is it about?
1: Coda is a coming of age dramedy movie about um, a deaf family, a deaf fishing family whose daughter is hearing and also realizes that her aspiration when she goes to college is to get into Berkeley College of Music and become a singer. And so the movie tracks um, Ruby's decision to sort of how to put her family life and her role in the family, aside to pursue something individually on her own, um, and also to leave a very close knit deaf family and go more into a world that's really centered around hearing.
0: Right, and and I'm just curious, who's in the cast? Anyone noteworthy?
1: Yeah, I mean, Marley Matlin is one of the stars of the cast. She is, of course, she's the. First and still only uh, actor, deaf actor, to win an Oscar, which was like 35 years ago. So sadly, there hasn't been another since then. But Marley Matlin's in the movie. There are some other, there's two other deaf cast members, a man named Troy Kotzer and a young man named Daniel Durant. He, they're both, a co- Troy Kotzer is very well known as an actor in the deaf community. Um, and a relative newcomer plays the, titular coda of the movie. Coda means child of deaf adults. The main character is Ruby, and she's played by a young woman named Amelia Jones.
0: All right, and you said, or in your story, you said that this film has been hailed as a watershed moment for deaf representation. Why is that?
1: Well, Matlin, Marley Matlin, um, in emails with me, she noted that not since she won an Oscar for Children of a Lesser God, back in the 80s, has there been a feature film with so many deaf actors playing deaf characters? You know, it's it's not too infrequent to have a single deaf character, um, a single deaf actor show up in some really big mainstream movies. You know, we've had some really big examples of that lately. There was a deaf actor in Godzilla vs. Kong. Of course, Millicent Simmons has been in the Quiet Place franchise and in Marvel's Eternals cast a deaf actress as their first deaf superhero coming up. But having multiple deaf actors embody deaf roles in a feature film, that hasn't happened in a really long time. It's also the first time Apple, which is releasing the movie, it's on Apple TV Plus, but it's also in theaters. And Apple decided to release it in theaters with open captions, which is when captioning is baked into the movie itself. You can't turn the captions on, turn the captions off. It's the first time that that's ever happened, which amazes me that it's the first time there's been a cinematic release with open open captioning um, as the standard, which of course makes it a lot easier for people who are deaf and hard of hearing to enjoy the movie just like anyone else would. You don't have to fuss with a special device to have captions, you know, in your armrest or in glasses.
0: Yeah, and that's actually, that surprises me too, that this is just the first film where it's actually baked in. Uh, You actually talked to some of the cast and crew you mentioned, talking to Marley Madeline, but you talked to some of the other folks. What did you learn about this project and, and sort of what made it special?
1: Well, one of the things that um, I found really unique about the fact that Coda includes this, you know, focuses on a deaf family. And so what that means is there's an almost unprecedented amount of ASL in the film. You know, there's as many scenes that are completely signed in in American Sign Language um, as there are that are in spoken English. And so because there's just so much room for ASL and sign language to stretch and grow, you get to see some real mastery of sign language at work in this film, which is really fun to watch. The fact that it's streaming on Apple TV Plus also makes it fun for people who you know, I'm hearing and I don't know very much ASL at all. It's fun for hearing audiences. Well, me, I guess. It's fun for me to go back and rewatch scenes that are in sign language. And really see how some of the actors were able to express themselves with sign in a way that really, you know, does justice to the fact that sign is more than just a language in its own right. It can be a kind of visual art too.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That that some of these actors here really push sign language as a form of artistic expression. I mean, you highlight in your story a a couple of key scenes that really illustrate that. I don't know if you could Walk through some of those scenes. I know you can't really do it justice on an audio podcast, but just to, to give a sense to the reader or the listener, like how they've been able to take American Sign Language (ASL) uh, and really kind of push it as a as a form of art.
1: Yeah, there's two. That, there's two I'll talk about, um, and these are both moments that um, the director Sean Hedder, decided should be signed only. You know, when they were deciding how to deliver this script into a movie, they had to make decisions, she and some directors of artistic sign language that consulted with her closely, had to decide, you know, what do we, it was a written script in English, and they had to decide what will be spoken English, what's going to be signed and what's going to be captioned, what will be the mix whenever we're trying to deliver um, something, deliver a line on the screen. And there's two moments in the film where sign language occurs, and it's uncaptioned and unvoiced. So the only way to understand it is by watching the signing. One of those moments is, uh, I pause because this I have to, It involves a lot of sexual language. And so I'm trying to figure (laughs) out how to say it um, for an audio podcast appropriately. Basically, um, the main character of the movie, Ruby, is sitting in a living room with her high school crush, Miles, and her parents are having an awkward sex talk with them where the mom, played by Marley Matlin, says, you guys got to wear condoms. And the father, who's played by Troy Kotzer, looks at this crush, whose name is Miles, and says... need to put a helmet on that soldier and he signs out that line and that's captioned but then he has a full 15 seconds where he basically through sign and troy kotzer is a everyone who i've spoken to and every time i've heard him reference he's a master of sign language he he performs this bit of sign language for full 15 seconds uncaptioned where he describes how you put on a condom and how you use a condom. <laughs> and the the it, it's definitely one of the things that people remember most from the film. And also it was so visually graphic in a way, so to speak, that it almost got the movie an R rating. And so the filmmaker and um, the women who were the directors of artistic sign language helped to convince the MPA, which makes these, you know, which assigns these ratings, like. Look, that's just what the word ejaculation looks like in sign language. One of the interpreters said to Sean, like, look, if I were interpreting sign language at the White House in front of Joe Biden, I would still have to jerk off my hand to say it. (laughs) So that's one moment that everyone should look forward to or maybe like look forward to not having that be their own personal experience. Right. Right of having a sex talk with her parents. Um and then there's another a, a kind of beautiful moment that that Sean Hedder said was her most her most treasured moment of the film. Ruby, you know, she as she kind of comes to learn that she really does want to pursue singing um in college. Not only does she want to go to college but she, maybe she wants to go to college to be a singer. Um her choir teacher is trying to break through to her, you know, she's very guarded and she has a very thick armor. And so he tries to break through to her and he, says, look, how does it feel when you sing? And at first she's like, I don't know. He's like, no, how does it feel when you sing? And so you can see this character Ruby, who's played by Amelia Jones, struggle to put it into words in her second language, which is English. And so she turns to her first language, which is sign, to express it. And that was a moment when, you know, these consultants, ASL masters who are working with Sean and, and the actors, you know, they said, this needs to come from Amelia. She's entering into this world it's her journey through this movie it's her journey into this world she needs to be able to come up with the signs for this on her own and the first things that she came up with when they were shooting you know um and thomasetti who was the director of artistic sign language that day on set said you know that's great but what you're signing is sort of communicating indigestion and that's not what we want and so they stepped back and came up with a combination of signs with Amelia that kind of expressed this feeling of having anxiety, having butterflies, having knots and bringing them out of you and um, taking a leap and then feeling yourself float and sort of enter the universe and be at peace. And the Amelia's performance of it was so as Sean put it was so beautiful that she said there's no need to caption that everybody that sees those signs can know what she's trying to say uh,
0: this is obviously not a, a film or a project that you know we would normally cover a CNN, right not it's not it's not sci-fi it's not it's not necessarily buzzy or viral like right. Ted Lasso I'm curious how this film first caught your eye
1: well, I saw it first um, at Sundance, and it, it made waves at Sundance. Um, I cover the Sundance Festival, of course, because there's a lot of VR there. There's a lot of interactive story, tech-based storytelling there. But it's also fun to watch um, some of the films, and especially this last Sundance was all virtual. And so it was very easy to be able to watch the films. You didn't have to wait in the snow in Park City, Utah, in a line to be able to see anything. So I watched it at the time because... My my son who I am hearing my son is hearing but my son at the time was attending a dual language ASL um, English preschool and so over the last year I had been very hungry for movies and shows that showed ASL in it because I just wanted to be you know have more exposure more awareness of language and representations of it and. Just have some sort of exposure coming from a you know a, a hearing community and not having very little exposure to a deaf community to so be able to you know it's a very um, it's a very easy hurdle to get over just turning on a movie and getting to watch some some ASL so I was interested in that respect because I was going to get to see a bunch of ASL and it's really hard. To find movies that have so much of it, Um, and when I watched it, it really did sort of open my eyes to just how beautiful and creative and expressive the language can be when people who are true masters at it um, get to put it on display. And it also, you know, and that speaks to the fact that we, you know, we started talking about representation at the beginning of this conversation, just how important it is. Like this, this is one representation of one family that's part of one facet of deaf culture and one particular deaf community. But you know, one of the criticisms, a lot of people who are deaf and hard of hearing have reacted very, very positively to the film. But there's others that have said, like, look, this this family is entirely white. Like where there should be some representation of the Black Deaf experience, which is different than the white Deaf experience for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, this isn't anything new. We've talked about this, I'm sure, before. When there's just so little representation, then that, that puts a lot of burden on when there is a film or a show that represents a community that has been marginalized in, in Hollywood for so long, that creates a lot of expectation for it to cater to, to be the monolithic movie about the CODA experience or the deaf experience. And that's just not possible. And so one of the things that Sean, the director hopes that is a legacy of this film is that it just shows people that deaf stories can be as entertaining as stories about hearing people and that there'll be greater demand to hear those stories that creators will see. There's a whole treasure trove of stories to tell within the deaf community and that deaf people will get to be deaf creators will get to be involved in bringing more of that representation to the screen and to television.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's a fantastic point. Cause I've, I've seen that criticism leveled at other, other films uh, had the, the burden of representing their entire culture, um, even though it was just one film, partly because there hasn't been that kind of representation. Uh, I like to try to take that, that optimistic perspective that this opens the door for more storytelling. Joan, thank you for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.